Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kid Missing Radio. I'm your host, Angelina Wilson. <clears throat> and this case is personal to me because it's actually a family member. Um, it's actually my cousin's son. Xavier or Xavier? Javier. It's pronounced Javier. Javier Fuentes was um, was killed in an unsolved hit and run on March 15, 2014, uh, walking down Route 117 in Paris, Maine. Now, Route 117 is not like highway like you're thinking of because you was 16. Route 117 is more of a rural highway. Um, just so you know. <laughs> Joining me is my cousin, Sheila Daft Fuentes, and my aunt, her mother, um, Janice Mitchell Moore. Now, Aunt Janice, you were, the, you were with him that day. What happened that made him walk away? Well, I was... I went to the Dollar Tree. He had gone to the movies with my daughter, Kelly, and his cousin, Keegan. They were waiting for me to come from the Dollar Tree over to the movies. I was taking longer than they wanted, so he came over and got a little upset that he was just sitting in the lobby doing nothing. And I was already irritated with his cousin, Keegan. So I had expressed to him that I was upset with Keegan, and he told me it was in the past, and then um, I'm not remembering all the details quite exact. But anyway, I started to argue with his cousin Keegan as his cousin Keegan appeared, and we were having an argument about whether or not the kids should be at the movie theater. And um, Javier just turned around and he walked away. I hadn't yet realized he had walked away, but I think they just walked off to cool off because Javier was the type of person that never wanted anyone ever to have any kind of confrontation. He didn't like people arguing or or dealing with that sort of thing. He would just kind of walk away. It was what he did. So we assumed he walked away to cool off to, to just get away from the situation. But we didn't find him. We didn't locate him in the immediate area, and we had no idea he had walked as far away as he did. How far away was he? I think he was close to four miles away when he got hit, oh, wasn't he, oh. Sheila? Yes, it was. It was about that. About four miles away from the movie theater. So, of course, we were only looking for him in that immediate area, and he had just really walked way away. He was on what I consider a back road, but really they consider the main road because there's 117, but it was a very rural area. He was headed out of Paris towards Buckfield. Um, Sheila got the call. Yeah, I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. Right. And you called me, Sheila. Yeah, I mean, essentially what happened was um, once he left from the movie theater and they had taken, you know, steps to try and see if they could find him, um, His he has a sister, his sister Audra, worked at the movie theater at the time. She had contacted the Oxford, the town of Oxford Police Department and asked them um, to please look for 
her brother. And so they did like a missing persons report and they had contacted me to get some information from me. And I want to say probably like that was like maybe 7.30 um, that evening or somewhere, you know, in that time frame, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Um, then sometime maybe as around 8.30 or so, um, I got a phone call from one of the Paris police officers um, letting me know, um, and I will never forget the officer's words to me, um, telling me, that um, he says, Sheila, I'm not going to bullshit you. It's bad. It's real bad. And um, at that point, I just, I just remember screaming into the phone, um, telling the officer, he didn't even have to tell me that my child was dead. I already knew my child was dead. Um, And at that point, um, I mean, what else can you do except lose it? And that's exactly what I did. Just scream, cry. I can understand why you would lose it. Um, and yeah. now the Paris Police Department is investigating, right? Right. They were um, the investigating officers, the investigating um, department, because it happened in, in their town. Um, so they had, um, you know, their police officers looking into, um, you know, what happened, um, doing accident reconstruction, you know, trying to find witnesses, talking to people. Um, you know, they were investigating people who had passed by. There were some people who had, um, when they saw my son laying in the road, um, you know, that they had initially um, was trying to interview those people. Um, you know, it was a lot of work for them. Yes, and their phone number, if you have any information, is 207-743-7448. I can't imagine why you would ever drive by that. First of all, I can't imagine if you hit someone that you didn't feel so awful that you had to stop. But I can't imagine anybody actually, I know somebody finally did stop, but I can't imagine people driving right by him and not stopping. Yeah, I mean, you know, pretty much from when it happened to when the next, um, the next, people came along and found him. I'm, I'm thinking that the time um, was not far in between, but it was too far in between enough that they didn't have any witnesses to see what actually happened. Um, you know, it's a very dark road. There was no light. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I believe the police, the police believe that, you know, the individuals that hit him knew that they struck him. And um, you know they they also believe that they they that they did in fact stop, um, but they continued on their way and they did not render him any help. They did not get him, you know. They didn't call for emergency services, nothing, and they didn't report it. They didn't report the accident, you know, and they just left my kid there to bleed out, you know, on the road. Oh, so is is that how he died? He bled to death? Um, no, he had actually um, on his death certificate says um, multiple like blunt force trauma. Um, his injuries were just so severe and so numerous. There were too many that it could have been any one of those things or any combination of things that had killed him. So, 
so did they determine how fast these people were going? Because you said they did do reconstruction and all that. Um, to be honest with you, I don't have right in front of me the accident reconstruction reports. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly how fast the individuals were going. I don't I don't know, Mom. Maybe if you remember any of that information, I'm not sure. I don't remember um, if they if they said that or not. I just know that they ended up with several suspects uh, that they had interviewed. There's a lot of different suspicions, but there's no been no actual proof. Um, they had suspicions because it was reporting in in the paper of a what was his name Brecker Johnson being the driver of a vehicle. Right, and they got that information from two other women talking. Is that how I understand it, Sheila? Right. And one of the women, her name was Laura Aya. Sonor. Sonor Aya. Aya Sonor. Right. Aya Sonor. Laura Aya Sonor. Right. People talk. But saying, I'm not sure she'll even correct me, but I think they said that she said told her he hit a woman. There was some discussion, apparently, um, and I have police reports, but um, that essentially, there were various different stories of, you know, and it's a he said, he said, she said type of situation where one moment they thought, you know, oh, they hit a female. They thought, you know, supposedly they thought they hit an animal. Like, just a bunch of ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I don't know too many five-foot-something tall animals that live here, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm Yeah, I mean, like the... <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, you know, they said, they said that... um you know, the police let us know that they felt that the individuals that hit him um, definitely knew they hit a person, um, you know, and and um, there was even some theory and some discussion that, you know, these individuals may have even um, touched my son physically and moved him perhaps out from, away from, or, you know, out from the underneath of the vehicle type oh. of thing. So. Yeah, these these individuals, um, I definitely believe that they knew they hit my kid. Um, they saw what they did. They couldn't deal with it for whatever reason. They weren't trying to uh, do the right thing in that moment. It was more about, you know, them just wanting to cover their own ass. And, um, you know, that's what prompted them to drive away um, because I think they were in the commission of doing other illegal things at the time. So, um, but anyways, yeah. Behind the wheel? Right. I think that was one one aspect, you know, possibly not having a driver's license. I mean, I'm sure it was, you know, various different reasons as to why, um, you know, they made the choice to, to not do the right thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, regardless of that, um, you know, the police were pre- pretty confident that they felt that these individuals knew they hit hit a human being. Jeez. That's horrible. Um People are telling me there's now, no link here anymore. They, to oh, they um, said in articles that I read 
that they have seized two different cars. Are one of those cars related to the people that your mother was talking about? And how did they figure that? I mean, obviously through that woman talking, but they must have interviewed a lot of people. Because how do you find people that were driving down a highway, you know? That's not easy. Um, Well, essentially what happened is that, you know, my son was killed in March, and it wasn't until May when they um, were able to make a connection to a vehicle. Um, I know one vehicle was a Ford Exposition. That's the vehicle in question is the one that they believe they hit my son. Um, It was the vehicle that Mr. Johnson was driving at the time. And um, he he had a, a female passenger. But, again, you know, they go back and forth with their he said, she said um, stories. Um, yeah. But what happened was is that this was a rental vehicle. And so it had been rented back in February of 2014 and then was reported at some point um, as stolen after he had already used it to hit and kill my kid. Um, so, yeah, so by the time May came around is when the information started coming out um, from this female um, about the incident. So the rental company reported it as stolen? Right. No, he did. I thought he did. So maybe they were... No. He didn't report it as stolen. No, no the rental car company reported it as yeah, stolen. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. The rental car, yeah. The rental car company reported it as stolen because at some point, see, they had continuously been able to charge. I, I believe it was a credit card, and once the credit card was maxed out, and he hadn't brought the vehicle back, they had no choice but to um, report it as a stolen vehicle. You know, like I said, you rent the vehicle. In February, so March, April, May, you know, three months later, you haven't returned the vehicle and you're not paying for it. Um, so, yeah, so they had to report it stolen. That's a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, and I then, so, then, oh, yep. I was found abandoned. abandoned. I was just wondering that because I was wondering if they were trying to clean up any evidence that might have been on the vehicle, blood or whatever, you know, fabric stuck to something or something, rather than giving it back to the rental agency and the rental agency seeing that and going, what the? Well, what happened was, again, my understanding and my understanding from police reports is that the vehicle actually um, was returned to their – was returned directly to the company. It was returned into one of their parking lots, um, is my understanding, oh. is how they were, were able to get the vehicle back. Now, see, I understood that it was found beside the road in Bangor. Yeah. It was, um, it was returned, um, I believe, to one of their parking lots. And um, what happened is that my understanding is that um, the Auburn police had gone over and spoke with this individual's wife and told them that told this person that they needed to have the vehicle uh, returned because this was at the time when it had been reported stolen. Yeah. And at, as of yet, at that moment in time, they still had no idea um, or 
they didn't know there was a connection between that vehicle and my son. The woman hadn't talked yet. Right. Right. That was after the fact. But they don't have enough, as I understand it, there was enough evidence civilly. But they don't have enough evidence. There wasn't enough evidence civilly either, Angelina, because it was Hertz that that, uh, did a small settlement. And the case against him was was essentially dropped because the lawyer didn't want to pursue it. It wasn't worth right. to the lawyer. But it was there was not enough in the way of any type of in terms of the civil lawsuit. There just was not this this individual does not have any type of monetary value or assets that could have been liquidated in order for it to have been, um, right. uh, you know, a viable lawsuit. So. So, you know, yes, Hertz did settle. Um, they settled. Um, and then, of course, you know. Associated, of course, with. Right. Yeah, no, I, I meant that it's a different standard of evidence. Civilly. Right. It is. Right. When it's a criminal case, you know, because you've got to have it, it has to be, you know, beyond reasonable doubt versus right. a civil case doesn't have the the same requirement. Right. Right. And I don't know if the civil case really had enough evidence to support even even that, even though they did make a settlement, I don't know if it had enough evidence to support. Because they didn't find any evidence at all on the vehicle. My understanding is it went to an out of state well, I was about to ask that question. There is still and they found no evidence whatsoever. Not a drop of evidence. Well, they they didn't they didn't find what they felt was enough sufficient evidence. They didn't. It's not that they didn't find. They didn't have enough sufficient evidence to support a case for a criminal trial. Um, again, like I said, getting back to the civil lawsuit, it was a matter of this individual is you know basically upside down on his house, and if he you know in his mortgage. There wasn't enough, like I said, that they could liquefy to make it a viable lawsuit civilly. Right. That's why it was, you know, it just ended up coming down to, um, you know, her settling the claim. Right. But in the criminal matter, sure, is what I was referencing about the vehicle. Right. I understand the criminal matter, but that's what I'm saying. The criminal matter, um, the district attorney's office, didn't feel that they had enough sufficient evidence, and those were their words, um, to yeah, prosecute this individual. They didn't have enough. That this woman would testify against the guy, and that would be really good evidence. If the woman, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? I said you'd think that the woman who who spoke up would testify against the guy, and that would be excellent evidence criminally. It would if she would come forward. Right. And tell and tell the truth. But, you know, she has her own set of demons as she was involved in the incident. So it's not like she's going to be forthcoming and, and do the right thing and, and tell the truth either. So well, she could her immunity. She could realize that if she, if she did, Sheila, then I'm sure she – she wouldn't be held liable for him driving the vehicle, even if she was in that vehicle. 
Okay. So here's where I'm at with this. Here's here's where I'm at with this right now. I can't hear either one of you. I feel like you guys are talking over each other. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I can barely hear your mother. So I know. Okay, so you can't you couldn't hear that I was talking, Angela. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, what I was saying was they could give her immunity. Right. That's what I was going to say. Same thing, Angela. Right. To if she had evidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, just kind of a point. A point of what my daughter just pointed out is that you know they're not going to offer her immunity anyways because my son wasn't important enough for them to to take this matter seriously and want to solve it to begin with. You know, or her life, or her safety, or her freedom. He was a human being. How can they say, oh, he's not important? I mean, who decides what people are it's not. It's about? not necessarily that they, you know, it's not like they came right out and said these things. It's, it's a matter of how it feels that, you know, it just was not a priority. You know, by the time that they got around to giving me this, this um, letter that came in the mail, and I don't even think it was a paragraph long. It just was basically like two sentences. And, you know, it took basically a year and a half to get that because they, they weren't trying, you know. And, and that's what I want to make clear is that it, it, this is not stuff that came from the police. This came from the district attorney's office from Oxford County, Maine. You know, I have got absolute all the confidence in the world that these officers did their very best job the fault lies within the district attorney's office and the state of Maine for not prosecuting this individual that's what I want to make clear ah yeah you must be okay I think the fact is they didn't have the evidence to prosecute him is why they didn't and I think that because they didn't have enough evidence and couldn't prove the case, that there still could possibly be another suspect out there as well. It could be. I mean, anything is possible um, in terms of that. Um, but I think, you know, at this juncture, it's been five years, and at this point, you know, I, I try every day to keep hope. Please stop talking over me. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's just that, you know, like I said, every day I'm hopeful. I would like to believe that there's information that's going to surface. But at this juncture, I don't, and I've given up on it. That's sad. Because you only have a year left on the statute of limitations. And in my personal opinion, it shouldn't be one because it's vehicular homicide. Homicide doesn't have a statute. I don't understand why this does. You know, me too. Those are good questions. They're really good questions. Thank you. You have to be beyond frustrated, though, at this point. I can't even imagine... Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really frustrated. I'm very frustrated, and I take it, I take it extremely personal. 
You know, I take it personal at this point in my eyes, the way I see it and the way I see the justice system um, and, and sometimes how things work. You know, I just I take it very personal about the fact that, you know, they didn't do what I feel, you know, their due diligence for my son. I don't feel that they um, I don't really feel like they should, they invested the amount of time in really going through the um, through the evidence. I feel that, you know, I, I feel that they have a faulty um, crime lab in the state of Maine. I feel that, um, you know, they're understaffed is my understanding at the time when all of this happened. Um, evidence had to be sent out of state in order to be processed. Um, so I just feel like the whole thing was lacking and the whole thing was just a huge letdown. Out of state? Yes. They couldn't send it to the state police crime lab? I, you know, initially I think that's where it started, and from there it was processed to be sent out of state. Um, wow. You know, and again, though, what people need to understand as well is you rented this vehicle in February. You killed my kid on March 14, on March 15, 2014, and then the vehicle wasn't discovered until May of 2014. So they had two months that they were able to repair, make repairs on this vehicle. They had two months that they were able to wash this vehicle down and, and destroy and tamper and contaminate any evidence as well. You know, and I just feel that the labs, you know, the lab we have here in Maine isn't going to be able to produce what they needed. You know, they just can't bring forward the evidence because I don't feel that they have either the right testing or equipment or experience or whatever the case may be versus you take another state, had this happen potentially in another state, you don't know what techniques they may have used in order to be able to um, find traces of evidence. I don't know how well trained they are here, you know? Yeah, that's true. Something just popped into my head, though. I'm wondering if there's an invested local auto body shop to find out if that got repaired and what was repaired. You know what I mean? Well, it was. I think it was pretty apparent as to what was repaired. And if memory serves me correctly, um, you know, they had replaced on the vehicle a um, mirror off the front passenger door. Um, I think they tried to make repairs on the front of the vehicle. I believe they have replaced tire, you know, so it was pretty apparent um, of what things had been repaired and replaced and that they had tried to fix. I just thought maybe if they went, they could get a better timeline, you know, therefore better evidence. But because there can't well, be that many repair shops in the area. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about rural Maine here. You know, we're not yeah, but they didn't, that. you know, right. But they didn't take it to a repair shop. This is something this man did it all on his own oh, somewhere no. else. So okay. didn't he take it to his brother's garage or something and his brother 
to his brother's it, home. It, took, uh, my understanding is he took to his brother's home and made some potential repairs there. And oh. didn't his brother also say he saw blood on the vehicle? Wasn't that reported? No, my understanding is that um, I'm not sure if if my understanding is that Mr. Johnson's brother had seen uh, blood on the vehicle as well as I think it was that he had noticed that there had been blood on Mr. Johnson's, I believe, one of his shoes possibly. Oh, his shoe. Okay. I thought there was something said by the brother about blood. Yeah. yeah. Again, again, I would have to go, I would have to go back to the police reports for the accuracy of that information. Well, if there was blood on his shoes, then he clearly exited the vehicle at some point. Right. But again, you know, being able to, um, you know, find, find it and prove it and, you know, test and, and test the DNA. And I mean, if the, you know, if the evidence is so degraded, you know, I mean, you can't get blood from a turnip, you know, yeah, and this isn't TV, you know. This isn't TV. Right, it's show. not television. <laughs> right, it's not television. You don't just miraculously take evidence and put it in the machine and, you know, presto, yep, that's our man, we got him. That's not how it works. No, it is not. I want to, um, we have 30 seconds left. I want to thank both Sheila and Aunt Janice for being here. And I'm so glad that, that the DNA brought us. Um, before we go, I'd like you to just tell us what kind of a person Javier was. What things did he like? Uh, where to begin? He loved food, for one thing. Um, <laughs> my son was just, you know, my son was a really good kid. And he was a very intelligent young man. And my son was the type of person that stood for equality for all people from various walks of life. Um, my son was a very um, generous child. You know, he was, he was a good young man. Um, and, and he was very proud of his heritage. He was very proud of, of his family. Um, you know, and we just, we miss him so much every day. I can't even imagine. Is there anything you'd like to add, Aunt Janice? I would like to add that no one who has never experienced something like this could ever dream of the pain this family goes through on a daily basis. And somebody out there needs to have a heart and come forward and speak up and let this mother know what happened to her son and let his family know. She needs this closure. She'll never have her son back again. But the unknown is so horrible. So horrible. Yes, it is. Um, I want to thank you. And it sounds like an incredible young man, and I would have had the opportunity to meet Um, And I want to thank you both for, for being on the show. And I want to let everyone know that two weeks from tonight on the 27th, I will have Bobby Walker, the son of James Davis Walker, who is missing from Bedford, Virginia, um, since the year 2000. Um, and again, I'd like to thank you both and everyone listening. Good night and God bless. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, Angelina. You're Bye-bye. very welcome. Thanks, Aunt Janice.
You're welcome. Yep. Bye-bye. I just wanted to add an update to the end of this. Sadly, my cousin's case um, has run the statute of limitations, so this man will never be prosecuted. Um, that being said, to me, it's a vehicular homicide, and therefore there should not be a statute of limitations, but that is my opinion, because there isn't one on homicide. Um, when you Kill someone with your car and then drive off. I'm sorry, that's homicide. Um, <clears throat> but I did want to add this on to this before you see it or hear it so that you know that the statute of limitations has ended. Um, I just find that so sad for my cousin, for my aunt, for my whole family, and any family that's going through this who have found themselves at the end of the statute. Um, thank you for listening to my aunt and my cousin discuss uh, Zave and his case. <laughs>